This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. All right. Hey, well, good morning. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. And I don't know if Ron actually, he said my name, but I, I'm the student ministries pastor here. So if you're nervous this morning, I deal with students usually. So uh, I'm nervous too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so there is... Uh, then we're going to do something different this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about faith and science, and uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. If you were, like, if you had heard that we were going to have this topic and you're really, really excited because we're going to dig into science and evolution and all of that, that uh, the evolution and more science stuff comes uh, next week. So you're on the hook, and now you have to come back next week. But this week, we're going to do uh, uh, an intro to the idea first, okay? We're going to intro the idea, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what uh, historically the church has believed. Historically, right, the church has believed in creationism, and by historically, I'm talking uh, in, in our lifetime, uh, okay? So, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we do that, I want to share with you a couple things. Number one, I want to share with you this verse from uh, Ephesians, okay? It's Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, and it says this. Then, this is, this is uh, talking to us, by the way. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. I think it's a really well-crafted sentence. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, we're not going to totally unpack this, but one thing that is my favorite thing about this is 14 talks about there are people that are going to try to throw things at us that we're not prepared for, right? And then in verse 15, we got this other idea where it goes, yeah, but instead we're going to speak the truth in love. And what that means is we actually have to investigate the truth and we have to investigate what it looks like to love. And so this morning, we're going to take some time to start this discussion around truth and we're going to go, okay, let's dig into that. And then when people throw things at us, we're ready for it, right? Right? So this morning and next week, we're just going to dig into some truth. And what would be awesome is if I would come up here and I would tell you exactly how the Bible and science can work together and, and, and give you all of the answers and exactly how God did everything God did. Uh, but the truth is, there really isn't a solid answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two big perspectives, uh, and, and then we're going to go from there, okay? And uh, I may share a little bit about my journey and where I'm at currently, but uh, we're going to... We're just going to give this out there and get us all to a place where we can go, okay, this isn't as scary as I thought it was, okay? So we're going to investigate truth. And the next thing that's really important is this. Uh, David Kinneman is an author and a, and a pastor, and Barna Research Group is a research group, in case you couldn't tell by that. Uh, they, they did some research, and they wrote a book together called You Lost Me, Why Young Christians Are Leaving Church and Rethinking faith. Kevin talked about this idea last week that 35% of millennials, I think is what he said last week, are, are no longer uh, saying, yeah, we're, we're Christian, we're, we're other, we're something else, we're none, we're whatever we are. 
And so this book is actually designed to investigate that. Well, why are people leaving the church and rethinking faith? And one of the six main reasons why, why young people, why students, why the, why the people I work with in particular are leaving the church is, uh, is antagonism towards science. And not their antagonism towards science, but the church's antagonism towards science, right? And I think it's fascinating they put it that way because uh, I don't know if any of us would say we're at war with science, but it's very clear uh, that some of the top uh, scientific minds in the world would say that. Uh, Richard Dawkins, who is very well-known and has written loads of books and is well-respected in the science community, he wrote a book called The God Delusion. And about that book, he said, this is my all-out frontal attack on the church. So whether we believe it or not, somebody somewhere, young Christians and the science community believe that there's a war here. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about that because I don't think there is. Uh, and I'm in a weird group, although 96% of youth pastors don't think there's an issue with this, and that's a true statistic. I didn't just make that up. Um, so there is 96% of youth pastors agree with this, but I don't think there's an issue with this. I think we could talk about it. I think we can look at science, and I think it can help us learn things. But here's what happens out of this. In this book, there were, there were four main things that students kept saying over and over and over again about science. Uh, number one was this. Christians are too confident they know all of the answers. See, there you go. Okay, number two, I don't have to explain that one, right? So they're too confident they know all of the answers, right? We don't need to talk about science because the Bible tells us how it was done, so we don't need to talk about it. That's it, right? The number two is, is churches are out of step with the scientific world we live in, uh, right? The world is increasingly finding out more things, and uh, we're increasingly not getting on board with those things, Right? Number, uh, number three is Christianity is anti-science, okay? We talked about that just a second ago. And lastly, we, we hear this one, I've been turned off by the creation versus evolution debate. And that's the big one. There was an interview I watched with a bunch of high school students, and they had talked about how some of their siblings had left church, and they were making plans like, I love the church, and I love that, that they have things like season of giving, and they help people around the world, and they help people in our community. But what I'm learning in school trumps what I'm learning here, because I get that you know, five days a week. I get this one day a week, right? And I, and I, can't, I can't stay to this debate anymore. I'm not going to debate it, because they're not even open to talking about it. And so here's what's important is if you have young people in your life, uh, if, you, if you have kids or grandkids or you want them someday, uh, if you have young friends in your life, and I'm not just talking students, I'm talking college age and under. Uh, Kevin pointed out millennials last week. I'm talking millennials and under. If you know them, you have to care about this topic. Because in increasing rates, those people are giving up on faith. So if you have kids or grandkids that you want to love God and know God and spend an eternity with God, you have to care about this topic. This is a big thing. This is the reason that many of them are leaving the church. And I think about this, and what I love about it is... Jesus said that to get all, you know, all the powers of hell will not prevail against his church. And it's people like you who go, you know what? This is an awkward topic, but I'm going to stand in it. I'm going to stand in it because I care about the people that don't know God. Right? And so this morning, 
People like you are what's so beautiful about the church. We're willing to stand in such awkward topics and go, I know young people that are far from God because of this, and I don't know, it's going to be over my head maybe. But that's okay because I want to engage this topic because I care about them and I care about their eternity, right? So this morning, that's what we're calling you to, to go, I'm going to care about this topic because I care about people. And so here's what we're going to do uh, is, is we're going to talk the next two weeks about this. Number one, this week we're going to talk about creationism, which is most common in the church, okay? Uh, 76% of evangelical Christians, which is us here at New Life, uh, would call ourselves uh, creationists, right? We believe in creationism. Now, I believe, if I were totally honest, the West Coast, Sonoma County in general, we're probably not 76%. We're probably closer to like 50%, but the, the statistic is still there. And then the other largest group is God-guided uh, evolution, which sounds so scary, right? Uh, so it's God-guided evolution. That's where it goes, okay, an evolutionary process. What if, what if that's what God used? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Okay, we're going to talk about that next week. And you know what's awesome is Kevin actually introed this, this series. Last week he had a big old Bible up here, and he said, he said, I think there are certain discussions we can have and that, that, that the Bible doesn't really speak on. And I think actually, even with God-guided evolution, I think there's good, sound biblical theology that we can talk about around that topic. So we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, you'll have to come back for that because I've already said too much. But <laughs> this week... We're going to talk about creationism. And there's two big ideas. There's one that's young earth creationism, which is in short, Genesis 1 says it, and I believe it. Uh, and uh, the other version is old earth creationism, where it goes, well, I believe the Bible, and science tells us that the earth is millions of years. So what we're going to do is we're just going to say that day doesn't mean day, and it means whatever it means, and we're at millions of years, right? So it's kind of a, in my personal opinion, it's kind of a cop-out of, I don't really feel like digging into this anymore. So, so we're going to talk about, uh, just because so few Christians uh, hold on to that one, and if you're one of those, uh, some of the resources, uh, one, of the, one of the connection points at the end of this week, Next Steps, is I want more information. I want, I want to be able to dig deeper. And if, you, if you're like, actually, Jake, I hold on to old earth creationism, um, we will have that information in an email that I'm going to send out Monday, so you'll have to check that because you can learn a little more about that as well. But this morning, we're just going to say old earth, or yeah, sorry, young earth creationism. We're just going to call it creationism from now on, and the fire hose of the intro is done, and now we're going to slow things down, okay? So we're going to go into creationism, and here's how I want to do it. In the fr uh, first part of your notes, there's just a blank that has a typo. Uh, you can try to guess what it is. Uh, but there's a blank that has a typo, and what we're going to do is we're going to try, uh, we're going we're to give you a little bit of a graph here for faith and science. So this guy, uh, this, there's an idea that God authored the Bible. Okay, that's an idea that we believe. Um, so we've got scripture here. I, Scripture is here. This pen is huge. And then we've got nature here. Uh, and what we're going to, we're going to do it like this. This pen is massive, but that's okay. So we're going to say there's two ideas here. Now, God wrote the Bible through people. That's why it's a little bit different as you go throughout. It doesn't sound the same because different people are writing in their own styles, but God was speaking to them. So we've got scripture, right? That's what we study here every Sunday morning. And 
if we believe God is who he says he is, that means God also created the world, right? So God created nature and everything we know in nature, God designed. So if the same guy designed both, do you think there's going to be any conflict there? No, no, there's no conflict, right? So I'm going to write right here uh, that there's, uh, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to do it like this with this pen because it's smaller. So I'm going to write uh, no conflict, okay? Now, the next part is what about, what about theology and science? What are those things? And really when we're here on Sunday morning studying scripture, we talk about our theology, right? That's our, that's our interpretation of Scripture. So we've got theology here. In one box. And then over here we have science. And science is the study of the natural world, right? So these are where we're going to see some possible conflict, and I think we see conflict all the time, right? So there is a possibility of conflict here, okay? Man, when I did this with a smaller pen in a smaller classroom, it looked so much better than this. Uh, I'm not an artist, all right? So here we go. So we've got this possible conflict here, and you know where that conflict comes from? It comes from human interpretation, which I'm just going to write H-I right here. So there's a human interpretation turns into theology. The human interpretation turns into science. So that's what we've got. The issue between faith and science, between theology and science, is not inherent in what we can see in the material world and scripture, because there's no conflict there. God wrote both of those things. The only conflict that might happen is our interpretation of scripture and our interpretation of, of, of nature don't line up. See, what we're saying is, is once we get into the picture, once we start trying to figure these things out, once we try to figure out an infinite God, there starts to be questions. And we go, wait a minute, did we figure that out right? Are we accurate on that point? And so then, when we're talking especially about these creation ideas, we have to ask a big question. And this is where the first blank comes in, and there's a blank there that's going to remain blank. Oh, man. Okay, so the big question is, is blank, whatever we're talking about that has to do with science, in conflict with Scripture, or does theology just need time to catch up? So we look at this idea when we're talking about, when we're talking about anything with the origins debate and all of the science that's around that, we go, does, does evolution, is evolution in conflict with Scripture, or does my theology around this just need time to catch up? Is creationism in conflict with Scripture, or does my theology just need time to catch up? Is the age of the earth, is anything that can do with science, is there, they've been studying the, the, the flood, right, for, with science for years. They go, is my flood theory in conflict with Scripture, or does theology just need time to catch up? And to be fair, you can ask it the other way. You can ask it the other way around. Is whatever in conflict with nature, or does my science just need time to catch up? Because that's a fair question, too. And so, this morning, with that in mind, and next week we're going to keep that in mind as well, we're going to just take a couple steps forward. And so, for those of you that are like, well, Jake, I don't think creationism is even remotely possible. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And what, I, what I'm going to challenge you to do is think about this and go, okay, 
is creationism in conflict with scripture, or, or does theology just need time to catch up, or is, is creationism in conflict with your view of science, uh, you know, or does it need to catch up? Make sense? So here we go. Uh, we're going to dig into creationism, and what's interesting about this topic is the vast majority of Christians believe in creationism, right? But what I must say is the vast majority of scientists who call themselves Christians do not. It's actually flipped. So the vast majority of scientists who call themselves Christians, who love Jesus, who are Bible-honoring, who are probably in church this morning, not here, but wherever they are, around the country, around the world, they, they are, are actually holding on to an evolutionary standpoint. And they go, uh, yeah, that's what we hold on to. And so I think what you need to know is, is that that has to be said that all of these Bible-believing, God-honoring, Jesus-loving Christians who are scientists don't hold on to creationism. I think that's important to note. So that's what I want to say. But what we're going to do is, is we're still going to dig into it because I think it's worth digging into. And here's how it works. At its absolute basic form, creationism says Genesis 1 said it. That's how God did it. Okay, that's, that's creationism at its most basic form. And now they wouldn't argue with, uh, you know, there's, there's a different thing between micro and macro evolution. One is between species, like one species turns into another one. They wouldn't say, uh, that doesn't happen. What they would say, they would go, yeah, the inside of species changes, those kind of things, those happen. So just so you know, if you're like, the church is dumb, they don't believe in any sort of evolution, they actually would agree in, in, that, in that, that category where changes inside of a species, Okay. But they still go, it's rooted in Genesis 1. It is what Genesis 1 says. That is how God did it. So let's read a little bit from Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 1 through 8 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And evening passes and morning came, marking the first day. Let's look at the second day, two. We're going to read just the first two days. Don't worry, we're not going to read all of Genesis 1. So day two says this. Uh, then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth, and that is what happened. God made the space separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. Now, there's a pattern here, right? So God said something, and it happened, and that ended a day, right? Then the next day, God said something, it happened, and that ended that day. Okay? And we get all the way through, and that's how God did, that's how God created everything, because then he goes from to plants and animals and people and fish and uh, birds and all of everything we see in the material world. God spoke it, it happened, a day ended, right? So that's the idea here. And they go, that's it. I don't need to dig into that anymore. Uh, and for some of you, that's probably okay. And, and that's, but what I, what I want to remind you is what we just talked about at the beginning. There are young people who have issues with this, and if you're even just willing to sit in that with them, I imagine your reputation will be better because of it. So, let's dig a little bit more here. And I had a, I had a college professor 
that said this, just to, to finalize this thing and then we'll move on. I had a college professor that said, if the literal sense, okay, makes good sense, seek no other sense or else you end up with nonsense, okay? So he was saying, he didn't say that about Genesis 1, but he said that about other passages in the Old Testament. So just if it says it and it makes sense, just keep it. Uh, and next week, what we're going to talk about is all the people that go, well, this literally doesn't make sense. So we're going to talk about that one next week. But this week, we're going to go, okay, let's hold on to that. Let's hold on to that because maybe God did it that way. And I don't think it's outside of God's power to do it exactly this way. Um, and so what we do is they look at this. They take the genealogies in the Old Testament. They count back. They go, everything in creation is 10,000 years old. And that's it. That's how God did it. So here's the couple of myths about creationism. Oh, sorry, that's the first creationism basic. The second one is everything's 10,000 years or less. You should know that. Uh, I made these notes, by the way. Uh, so the next one is creationism myths, is this. Uh, and this is how it starts, is it says uh, they take Genesis 1 too literally, right? So, Jake, Genesis 1 couldn't be read that way. It's, it, it, they take it too literally. There's no way that works out. And uh, what I would say in response to that is, uh, they, they do read it literally, and, and that's okay, because the truth is, the word that, that the Hebrews used for day, which was yam, that word literally means a 24-hour day. So, so the fact that they take Genesis 1 literally is, is totally understandable, because you look at that and you go, well, that's the, the, the word they chose. They could have chose anything they wanted, and they chose the specific word day. So I don't think a, a literal interpretation there is all that bad, Okay. And then they say, uh, they, then they point to things like, it has to be a day, because when the Sabbath comes along and they give a commandment and you have to rest on the seventh day, then they point back to creation and go, because God rested on the seventh day, that wouldn't make sense if it wasn't days, right? So that's, that's one of their ideas around this, where they go, hey, what about, what about Jesus in Mark ten sixteen? He talks about Adam and Eve, and he goes, they were around from the beginning of creation, and, and, if they, and, and if they weren't created inside of the first couple of days, that doesn't make any sense because then they weren't around from the beginning of creation. That's, again, if Jesus is talking literally. Now, I'm going to answer these, and what I want you to know is I'm not going to refute any of these. There are people out there, there are a lot of people smarter than I am that would go, well, here's why there's an issue with that, and here's why there's an issue with that, and here's why there's an issue with that. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to tell you what, these, what this belief has and what I believe for a really, really long time, okay? And so here's what we've got, too. Is uh, the next myth is there is no science to back this viewpoint. Creationism uses no science, and the problem with that is that's just not true. Okay, create there's there's entire museums built to creation studies. There's the creation museum that all they do is study this. They use a lot of science, but it's it's uh, typically alternative or different interpretations of science that other people would use to prove evolution. So it's, it's just an alternative science usually. But there's, an, there's a creation science museum. Liberty University, where I went to school, has a, has a biology department, and they put out some of, the, some of the top nurses actually in the country. They have an outstanding program for that. And they love science, but they have a creation hall, right? And on their creation hall, they, they, don't, they don't make apologies for the science that they use. And, uh, and if you're like, well, Jake, that's because you went to a Christian university. It is because I went to a Christian university. But what I would point out is it, it, is, it has over almost 100,000 students enrolled at Liberty, and it's accredited under the same accreditation that Duke University is accredited under. So if you're going to question Liberty's methods, you would also have to question Duke's methods, right? Which nobody in here would do that. 
Maybe they're, you know, if you didn't like their basketball team or whatever. But other than that, you, nobody in here would question their, their, you know, their teaching methods. So that's what I want to point out is they do have science. It's just a lot of it's alternative, right? And, uh, and it's not, then they, would, then they would actually point to some mainstream science as well. There's an idea called uniformitarianism. That's a huge word, okay? Don't worry, you don't have to write it down. Uniformitarianism is this idea that the patterns that are set up on earth and in the universe have been constant forever, Right? And science actually holds that and uses that with the exception of catastrophic events that make big changes, right? But what creationists would do is they go, actually, you know, if we hold uniformitarian science, the ocean would be too salty because it's slowly getting saltier. And over the course of billions of years, it couldn't sustain life anymore. That's how salty it would get. Or the Earth's magnetic field, I don't know if you know this, freak out, it's dying, okay? And we're all going to just... I don't know what's going to happen, but it's dying. Uh, and it's, but, if, but at the rate that it's dying, if there had been billions of years, the earth wouldn't have a magnetic field anymore, okay? And so they go, uniformitarian, this, this is how it works. And then they point to other things. They go, what about, what about decay? And science makes ages based on decay, right? They study, they study car, how much carbon, basically. Carbon dating is the, the most basic one. They go way beyond that, but we'll just hold on to carbon for now. And carbon dating goes, well, let's look at something that died, Let's check out its cell and see how much carbon is left, okay? How much carbon is in there? And they know the car, that carbon's half-life, and they go, okay, well, every, for less carbon, we can go, this is how many years have passed since that thing has died, okay? That's really basic. There's a lot more to that. And what they did is they point out Mount St. Helens, and some of you were alive for that when it erupted in 1980. The rest of you weren't. Uh, I wasn't, but I do know about it because I lived there, and I studied it, and I've seen it. So uh, Mount St. Helens, is, is, uh, it erupted, we know, in 1980. A bunch of lava came flying down the side of the mountains, burned up a whole ton of trees, and killed a bunch of animals and everything else. It was actually devastating, but um, I don't know why I'm laughing about that. That's so messed up. Uh, there is, there is, uh, that's so messed up. There is, um, they, they actually went up and they studied the things that died at Mount St. Helens and they did carbon dating on it and it showed up thousands of years old, right? And you're like, wait, we know that it died in 1980. Why, why are we seeing thousands of years old? Well, a catastrophic event happened that accelerated the rate of decay. And so that, what, couldn't have that have happened with every, apparently everything? Because that's how we're getting billions of years. Those numbers aren't real because the decay is accelerated, right? And so those are some of the ideas that they have. Those are, we're not going to go much crazier because then we get beyond me, um, and, uh, which doesn't take much. Obviously, we've done two, and I laughed at dead things. So um, <laughs> the other thing that I might point out just real quick is they, they really hold on to a couple arguments. They go, Lucy, like you've probably heard about Lucy, the... Uh, some previous species before humans, uh, they point her out and they go, well, they only found 47 of 207 bones. So I think they took some artistic liberty when they made Lucy, which 47 of 207, that is some artistic liberty. That's true. But that's one thing they might point out or they'd point out the evolutionary tree, which maybe you've seen, right? It starts at one and it splits and splits and splits and splits and gets all the way to where we're at today. And they go, well, we haven't even found that many. Those, a lot of those are just assumed, right? So they point out all of that. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not here to refute what they're pointing out. You might be sitting there and you're like, Jake, that's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. Okay, if you believe that and you've got different science to back that up, that's, that's okay because we're going to talk about you next week. So, um, so this week, we're just going to hold on to this one and go, you know what? It's totally okay. It's okay to dig into this because I think there is some facts there. So the third myth is this. 
Uh, they take in, they, they go, okay, well, taking, Jake, taking into account catastrophic events, even Mount St. Helens and all of the other eruptions and, uh, you know, plate tectonics, uh, tectonics moving and everything else happening, I, I, I don't think creationism can explain millions and billions of years, right, with that. I still think, sure, you know, sure there's some, but I don't think they can explain millions and billions of years away. And what they would say is this. Uh, most of that is solved with this argument that couldn't have God created the earth with age? Like Adam and Eve, do we think God was like, baby Adam, baby Eve, peace out, and just left these babies to like figure things out? I don't think that's how God worked, right? I think God created Adam and Eve as, as full-grown adult people. And so their argument goes, okay, well, if Adam and Eve are full-grown adults, why couldn't, why couldn't the earth be created with age? Why couldn't, it's not like, Adam and Eve were dropped on the earth, and then it was just flat because there were no trees and no plate tectonics had ever moved, so there's no mountains and no volcanoes ever erupted, and so they just kind of had to wait till the earth grew. No, right? There were mountains, and there were rivers, and there were, uh, there were trees and full-grown vegetation, and they go, that's why. The earth was created with age. And, and, and while we can see stars that are billions of light years away that would take, you know, again, billions of years to get to earth, why we can see those stars is because God created light in transit. So when he created that star, he also created the transit light that's on its way to earth. You're like, oh, that's crazy. It is. It's like, it's, it's kind of science fiction-y. But the truth is, all of these guys have to take some sort of, even, even what we're going to talk about next week, there has to be some sort of like, we don't know, but these are just, these are just hypotheses that are out there, Okay. And so then there's this, um, and then they argue, you know, the, that the flood was still global and that they think, um, you know, that since the flood, all of the plate tectonics have moved and that's how we've gotten the continents that we have and that's why that theory can still hold water and, and all of that. So they've got really great, they've, they've got things that they argue. It's not like they just make this stuff up. They've got, they've got ideas behind it. There are still some outstanding questions and we're not going to dig much into these, but we are going to look at them. Number one. Uh, they take a literal interpretation of the word day, which is yam, okay? Uh, but they, they failed to continue looking at the other words. If you noticed, it said God spoke to create this, creates in there every day as well. Why don't they dig into the word create and what that might actually mean? Or what about, what about formless and void? What does that actually mean about the earth? Because if the earth was formless and void, but it was still already here, what is, were we just a... Uh, a black ball floating through space before God came in? Or what's the story there, right? So we got to dig into those words. If you're going to take a literal interpretation of one word, you have to take a literal interpretation of the others, right? So then what about this one? They go too far in the Genesis 1 passage. And they read it as a science textbook. And that's not what Genesis 1 was. That's the argument, right? They, go, they, go, they, they assume Genesis 1 needs to be read as a science textbook. Right? This is something that, that after it was written, they dropped it down on the desks of their students and they said, study this and this is your science now. Right? That's the way they read it. And, and is that accurate? Is that an accurate way to read Genesis 1? The last thing is they reject almost all mainstream science in exchange for their own interpretations and some claims that are refuted. That makes sense? So, so they go, oh, we, they, they're not holding on to mainstream science. So what about so our... Are thousands of scientists around the world just wrong? Right? So that's the big question. Those are the three outstanding questions, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of those uh, next week because it's going to show you the flip side, which is, well, what about God-guided evolution? Um, we're not going to dig into that much more. We're just going to leave those questions there for you to, to ponder. But here's what I want to do to finish up. I've got one last point, and it's not about science. 
what I want to do is I want to read you Ephesians 2.10. And I love this verse. It says this. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things He planned for us long ago. And I love that verse. And and, and what's most particularly stands out to me is the fact that, that God calls us His masterpiece. And what's great is Ephesians doesn't try to argue how it happened. Ephesians just goes, no, you know what? Who cares? But you are God's masterpiece. That's his whole point. And so when we look at that, when we look at that, what we want to think about is, is we look at that, and then I think through the creation story, and it ends on day six, and God creates people. And the only time in the entire creation story God says something other than it was good is after he creates people. And then he goes, now it's very good. Right? And so maybe you've never dug into this before. And maybe this will be a great time for you to, to really get to know God. Because you're like, Jake, I, I, I want to believe creationism, but I, I've never really known how. And now you do. Or maybe next week when we talk about evolution and how that might be a viable option. Maybe that'll be a good answer for you because you'll get to look at these and go, you know what? I love that. I love that I have a God that, that calls me his masterpiece. That I don't, I don't, we can't figure out quite how he did everything that he did, but what, he, but what we do know is he did it. And that God calls you and I very good and his great masterpiece. And I think that's something to be celebrated at the end of the day. And so really what we want to do is we want to settle down and go, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this, and it matters because it matters to young people that are far from God. But at the end of the day, what's most important is that you are God's person, right? That God calls you very good, and that you are his masterpiece, and that he loves you. And if you've never experienced that, today is a day to go, you know what? I'm ready for that. And so in a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you um, because coming out of today, we'd love it uh, if you go, you know what? I love that I can dig into science and be a Christian. I'd never thought about that. I love that God calls me his masterpiece, and I'm ready to become a Christian. And maybe that's the first thing you want to do today. Maybe that's, maybe that's your, your next step point. Or uh, for others of you, what I want to do is I want to challenge you to dig into this a little bit. I want to challenge you to go, okay, what if I, what if I ask a couple questions? What if I ask a friend or maybe somebody you've debated with? I actually had a big debate in high school and got in a ton of trouble for it. Uh, uh, but I, I had a big debate in high school. And I'm actually, this week, I'm going to be messaging those people that I debated with uh, because I would love for them to listen in next week. They're not Christian. We haven't talked in years. But it would, I'm just going to message them and go, hey, by the way, the thing that we fought about in high school and that I got in a ton of trouble for, not you, uh, I'm talking about it next week, and, and I'd love for you to, to listen in on maybe how God could have used evolution, right? And so maybe you can go back to some people that you've argued with or debated with or had these conversations with, or maybe you can just ask somebody else, hey, what do you, what do you think? Have you ever thought about this topic? Have you ever thought about how God uses science, why God gave us nature to dig into, Right? And then the third thing is uh, check out more resources, uh, and if you want that, you can, you can mark that on your Connect card, and when you turn that in, um, you will be getting an email this week that's like, hey, here's some resources, because I can tell you, uh, this, we, we could be here, you, you could have packed a lunch and brought a juice box, and we could have been here all day, right, and talked about this topic, so there's just so much information out there. Um, I tried to keep it basic. I, I firehose some of you, I'm certain, but there is... There is, um, there is more out there. 
And so for those of you who are dying for more information, mark that. Those of you who are like, oh, Jake, some of that, I, I, I haven't talked about science in years, right? I was talking to some people this week in the office, and they're like, Jake, I, I haven't dug into that in years. Maybe you should mark this too, because then you'll get some other things. It'll be a little bit slower paced, and you can just go, okay, I'm turning this part of my brain back on that hasn't been on in a decade, right? So we want to give you those three options. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray about that now. I'm also going to pray for those of you that want to, want to become a Christian at the end. I'm going to pray for you last, and you can just join me in that prayer. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for uh, this morning. Thank you for the academic freedom and the liberty to, to dig into your word and to dig into nature and just learn about you. Can we be satisfied that you are an infinite God and that we are finite people trying to learn, learn about you, the God who loves us? Uh, Lord, this week, for some of us, uh, as we try to dig into more information, can that just be freeing for us? As we dig to learn more about faith and about science and about maybe how you did this whole thing called life, can you free us? Uh, and for others of us that are, that are going to dig into some conversation with friends or people maybe that we've debated with in the past, God, can you uh, just bring your spirit of peace to those conversations? And lastly, God, for uh, the friends here who are ready to go, you know what? I love that I can dig into science, and that's the last thing that was stopping me from coming to you. Uh, God, can you bring them just amazing peace in this moment? As they pray with me, and, and you can repeat after me if this is you. Man, God, thank you so much for creating the world you created. Uh, God, thank you for giving me liberty and academic freedom to dig into that. And God, I want to say thanks for calling me your great masterpiece. Today, I, I want to become yours. I want to surrender to you and, and let you be the boss of my life, let you rule my life. And, and I want to continue to learn about you and follow you from this day forward. As your son's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.